Young people growing up with violence in their home often continue the cycle of violence. An organization called Project PAVE works to break the cycle and reach thousands of young people every year. Executive Director Mike Johnson joins Denver DA Mitch Morrissey on this edition of Dialogue Denver DA. Hello everyone, I'm Tamara Banks. Welcome back to Dialogue Denver DA. Mitch, great to see you again. Good to see you, Tamara. And I just love our, our guest today, Mike Johnson. Thanks Thank for you. joining us Thank with Project you. PAVE. Um, you, I want to start with the fact that Project PAVE turned 30 years old this year. That's correct. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> lots of hard work and lots of lives saved. Tell us a little bit about how Project PAVE started. Well, Project PAVE started, as you mentioned, 30 years ago by, uh, by two women, a grassroots type uh, organization. Um, going, they went door to door raising monies, raising awareness of what Project PAVE was about. And it was very much focused on education even back 30 years ago. And talk a little bit more about that, what it's focused on today compared sure. to back in the day. Well, um, for the most part, our mission has not changed, which is empowering youth to end the cycle of relationship violence. Our approach to that has been one of how do we, how do we improve on the delivery of our mission, um, which really has, for the last 10 years, been focused on inclusiveness, the whole idea of how do we make sure that we're listening to the voices of not only board and staff, but our community partners, and most importantly, the people we serve. We've really taken the position that um, uh, those people most impacted by what we do should have the greatest say in how we do it. And uh, that has been kind of a cultural thing that we've been trying to embrace as we've moved forward. And to that end, we've made a lot of changes in our programming um, in serving youth. And talk a little bit more about that, how those changes may sure. reflect society, societal changes and community changes. Yeah, and, and there has been an impact from society and communi community, but for the most part, um, we've been trying to take the position of how do we change society and community um, because the whole issue of violence and relationship violence is so embedded into so many different aspects of who we are and what we do and uh, particularly I mean there you know the saying never hit a woman um, which is a great great saying but um, as we look more and more into it there's so many different levels of violence that we're not even aware of so over time um, we, we've looked at how and where we provide our services and the whole idea of inclusivity. Um, how do we remove barriers and increase access to the people we serve? And as you mentioned, it's pre predominantly kids from five years of age to 18 years of age. And through looking at the different ways that we provided services, um, make a long story short, we decided to move all of our services into the schools. While not every child is in school, it's pretty much where we're going to meet them is in the schools. The whole idea of moving Project PAVE services out of Project PAVE of, as a building or an institution, moving it into the community where the people we serve, the people we're working with are actually located. And kind of along those same lines because not only do we, <clears throat> excuse me, not only do we work with the youth, we actually work with the families of those, those youth. So we 
actually in, brought in and introduced uh, family advocate, which is a mobile position, meaning we will work with those parents, those families, and meet them wherever they're at, whether it be at work or at their homes, because there, we, we found that over time there was problems with people trying to get to our location. So how do we get out there, not only meeting the kids where they're at, meeting the families where they're at. So that is a lot of the, kind of how the mission has evolved, not in terms of the desired delivery, but how we do it and where we do it. Mitch, how does uh, Project PAVE uh, interface with the DA's office? Well, we interface in a lot of ways. One, we help support Project PAVE through uh, some of the funds that we get through our Victims Compensation Board, Victims Assistance Board, so they can apply for those things. Anything that services uh, crime victims and does the kind of work that Project PAVE does, we've done Voices of Victims, some of the other groups that then apply for Second Judicial District monies there. So, but th that's just a touch, you know, just a touch. We partnered with PAVE for years. Bill Ritter was huge in Project PAVE. His wife is still on the board, uh, Jeannie Ritter. So obviously we have a close connection with Project PAVE. And anytime you're talking about violence against children, violence against young people, young people on e violence with their with each other, and you can be involved in getting them educated about what's wrong, what's right. You know, I remember early on when we started to see this sexting stuff, we partnered with Project Pay and East High School, and we made a video about what it was about, educated people about it, how it hurt people, it, the kids played the roles. You know, one thing Mike says that he lets the, he lets the kids take the lead. You know, if you go to a Project Pave lunch, the kids are putting on the lunch. They're giving the speeches. They're giving the awards. They're doing those things. So when he says he empowers them, they do. And Pave does. And that means so much to these kids that have been in these situations. But what I know about that video, and it was early on, you know, YouTube and all of that, it got it got a huge number of hits because people were going there to learn about it. And our hope was they were going there to learn about it as young people, as adults, as parents, all of those kinds of things that Mike talked about. So we partner with them a lot. They are a partner with us in the Rosandum Center. Uh, they are partners throughout the community. And we're going to talk about some of the other things they do. But anytime you can prevent violence from happening, the DA's office should be involved in supporting that because that means fewer victims, that means people not coming into our system, that means we don't have to incarcerate an offender who doesn't commit an offense, but also getting that information out there to victims, to kids that are being sexually abused, all of the kinds of things that Mike deals with at Project PAVE, it's important for us to be part of that. Yeah, it's a great partnership. Mike, is. talk a little bit about the, um, you focus both on prevention and intervention. Are they equally important or does one outweigh the other? Yeah, the quick answer is yes, they're equally important. Um, and kind of how we, we're approaching our work, like I say, that, that work, all of that work, whether it's intervention or prevention, is done in the schools. 
intervention work is where we work individually with a therapist, with, with a child who's been a victim of some relationship violence, domestic violence, bullying, sexual assault, etc. within the school. Um, critical, critical work. Um, and at the same time, we're doing prevention work within the school. Uh, the whole idea here is obviously, as Mitch said, you know, we're trying to prevent there being vic people being victimized. We're trying to prevent people from from keeping the cycle going. Um, but what we're also trying to do is trying to create a different type of community, um, and this is what we were talking about before, is that the whole idea of domestic violence and relationship violence is something we need to talk about. It's something we need to be aware of. It, we need to be aware of what are the different ways that this does happen. What are the ways that we can be bystander interveners in a healthy way for other um, our, our peers as students as well as for teachers and so to that end because we're big collaborators we believe we are and one of them is with the Rose Adam Center the other is the work we do in schools we do a lot of work um, in collaborating with DPS itself the Denver Public Schools um, they're very much aware of what we do and uh, the work that we do together um, the conflict center um, the Center on Domestic Violence and Denver Children's Advocacy Center. Um, all of those organizations are with us in the school so that we are raising the awareness and working with the students, the families, but also the faculty. How do we uh, engage faculty, you know, not only for, let's say, someone who's been victimized and is receiving intervention work, to work with that teacher of how this is going and how it may impact because uh, when you when you're in schools I mean school administration are as we all know have tons of things on their plate to take care of but what we can come in and do is also complement their objectives which is how do we ensure that kids stay in school that they're not truant and that they're you know matriculating beyond that and so often and we might miss this is you know a child who is being victimized or fear of being victimized, um, in terms of priorities, that might be overcome their wanting to be in school and to learn. And so it's it's really a, a good collaboration and it's really that whole idea of building a community and awareness around relationship violence and how do we deal with it in a positive way. So how does Project PAVE show up in schools? What does that look like? Well, um, for example, we, we do have a contracts, agreements with the schools mm -hmm. of the services that we will provide and they they provide um, um, an agreement on what time they will, will allow us. So for example our therapists are full-time in four different schools around the DPS area um, and they have offices there. They are part of in, in you know of the daily appearance within the schools and they are available um, for the kids we also show up uh, with our prevention classes our path to healthy relationship classes for example that um, we will we'll get spots during the day within the school day um, you know like health classes or homerooms and um, and provide those types of services what's the the true man program true man program um, it's it's a great program. It is something that uh, actually um, uh, the Denver Broncos came to us via Maggie Morsey um, um, in, in the work with the Rose Andam Center. Uh, they were looking for people to work with them in what they call their futures program, work that they do in terms of teaching good techniques and playing football. So our true man uh, program is working with middle school football teams. and. Uh, 
it really is kind of a, a hybrid of what I call our, our other prevention classes, but the audience obviously right now is all male. Uh, and the, the beautiful thing about it is, you know, again, trying to change norms and community. We go in and we, we talk with players um, about what it really means to be a man. And again, it's not just the idea of don't be physically violent. Again, key point, but what does it really mean to be a man? And so many of the stereotypes and the gender stereotypes and the norms that we set up um, set us men up for failure. And when I say failure, um, failure to be more compassionate, feeling uh, allies for everybody and so the the two-man program uh, is the ability to work with these kids as well as the coaches mm -hmm. on on the different things for example uh, how how often do we motivate young men by using um, degrading comments which not only degrading to them but degrading particularly to women um, the different things that we, we say to we think we're motivating so you know talking about that and uh, just kind of a a brief anecdotal thing is that when we first started this, a lot of the young men came up to our our coordinator, um, Derek McCoy, uh, at Project Pave, and uh, we're we're saying we we are so appreciative of this because a lot of us have thought of these ideas and never really had a venue or a forum to talk about it, and this has been very positive for us. So we are very pleased. Um, I, I believe the Broncos are very pleased in working with us as we are with them, and. Uh, it will expand as we move forward. Right. We've got so much more to talk about. We're going to take a quick break. We are here with Mike Johnson from Project PAVE. We'll be back with more Dialogue Denver DA in just a moment. Stay with us. made of moments. Family. A drunk driver could take it all away. Keep your family safe on the road because after all, nothing is more beautiful. Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Keep your family safe. everyone. Welcome back to Dialogue Denver DA. I'm Tamara Banks. This is the portion of the show where we talk about our legal term. This time around, our legal term is ex parte, and that's um, from Latin, meaning from one party, and refers to improper contact, such as a lawyer contacting the judge or the opposing party without the other party's lawyer also being present. So that's kind of uh, important information. I mean, you just can't have ex parte conversations, right? Yeah, I think that people watch television and movies and they think, oh, you know, the prosecutor and talks to the judge in his chambers all the time, or, uh, you know, you see him on the streets or something and you talk about 
case-specific things, and you can't do that. Mm -hmm. It's against the lawyer's rules, and it's against the canons that control the behavior of judges. There are some rare situations, usually emergency-type situations. A good example would be a restraining order, where you have to go and get a restraining order with, before you've actually served the individual to protect somebody. That's an ex parte proceeding. You go, you get that restraining order, but it's not final until the person has a chance to have a say. So they get served, they come in, and it becomes final at the end of a hearing that both sides get heard. That's very important in our system, that both sides get heard. And one side isn't providing information to the judge ex parte, just by themselves, that then may impact the outcome of the case, or ruling on a motion, that type of thing. So it is prohibited in most cases, but there are some rare exceptions, usually emergency type situations, where something has to be done by the judge, it has to be signed, protect somebody, and then you go in afterwards and have full-blown hearings where both sides are represented. Gotcha. Good information to have. So let's bring back our guest into the conversation, Mike Johnson with Project PAVE. I, I wanted to ask you more about the youth focus that you have, and you have a, an, a group called Youth Educator, Youth Leadership Educators. Right. Youth Community Educator Program is what we call it, or our abbreviation is YSEP. Um, it's an extension of um, the things I mentioned before regarding mission and empowerment. Through our prevention classes, every once in a while there are those youth that want to see where they can go further with their own learning, their own in involvement um, with the subject and with communicating it um, to others. And so we, I don't know, it's probably eight years ago now, introduce the YSEP program. It is young people that we actually put on our payroll um, to, to help with the work at PAVE in the prevention arena. Uh, but one of the things that we're really focused on is sustainability of this message. The whole idea of how do we provide more and more leadership for the community um, as we go forward. Just as some of us are getting older, um, there there is the opportunity for there are a lot of strong young people to to move into the into this arena, and um, we have kids that have gone on from our YSEP program that continue the work in their colleges. We've had some now that have actually graduated from college that continue the work. There's been some international sharing from some of our folks in in, in different countries. So we're very pleased and very proud of the program uh, because. It, it just is another way of sustaining what the work we're trying to do and expanding it in our community. Let me give you an example. I got asked by a teacher at East, uh, Ms. McDonald, who I've known for years, uh, to come and talk about sexual assault to the kids. And so I envisioned it as I'd walk in and there'd be a class of about maybe 20 kids and I'd sit down and talk about the crime of sexual assault and the different things. I walked in. East High School, the auditorium is completely packed oh with kids. Gosh. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, here I am going to talk to these kids. And in walks Project PAVE. In walks the very kids you're talking about. Some of them, I think, go to school there, but they also work with PAVE. And they also work with the East Angels and the City Council, uh, not City Council, the Student Council. And so I was kind of the lead off. And I talked, and, and, and then the PAVE kids, uh, there was a teacher there too, uh, uh, an adult, uh, 
and they went into and you know, I could tell the connection was there with them, not so much with me. <laughs> you know, I'm an old guy and you know, I'm the DA and, and all of the things that kids kind of shut down sometimes when I start talking. I could tell by sitting there t through the end of it how the impact that these kids, these were people they could talk to. And when we finished, there was a line of kids <laughs> to come up and tell their story, some to me, and ask me things, but many to their peers, many to these PAVE kids. And I know that was making a difference because they were talking about very specific things that were going on in their homes, that were going on when they were waiting for the bus, where they are being you know, approached by adult males, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, and that was going to make a difference and it was going to go beyond this little presentation that we were doing during a a off, it must have been an off hour because every kid in the school was there. <laughs> but it was boys, it was girls, it was across the board and the questions that they asked and all of that. So it got, I get some hands-on uh, sense of what PAVE is doing and how that's having a long-term impact on the kind of relationship violence that we're talking about. You're really talking about shaping future leaders right. of this community. Correct. Absolutely, it's very it's very important and, uh, that that the work is, like I say, sustainable. Um, and so often, you know, we we can do things, um, maybe to make us feel good uh, as individuals, but the, the whole idea of empowering someone else and to uh, see them take off on it and kind of tagging on to what Mitch was saying, mm -hmm. um, it's some of the most humbling things as as I work with kids. Um, to see, see where they're going, where they're at, and how they're taking this, I just sit back, and um, that's a lot of times why I show up every day. It's because I learn so much from them. Right. Yeah. I bet you. Before we finish, yeah. too, and I and I think that you know, Mike Mike won't do this, and Mike has done a great job at Project Pave, and Mike's going to be stepping down, mm -hmm. and he won't be leaving Project Pave, but he's stepping down from his position. And I want to thank him. I want to thank him on behalf of all of our partners in the Rosandum Center. He's done a great job there. I want to thank him on behalf of my wife Maggie, who got mentioned earlier in the show, who's helped raise the money for the Rosandum Center. But the other thing I want to do, Project Pave is one of the most important nonprofits in the city of Denver in the metropolitan area and anybody watching the show that wants to help Mike and help the work of PAVE continue go online and donate to this important organization it is not something that he would do <laughs> on this show but it's something I can do as part of the show and that's ask for the support for Project Pave. They will use any, even a dime that you give them in a way that will help kids and will make a difference in a young person's life. So if somebody wants to write a check, wants to do something online, Project Pave will use your contributions in a way that will help our entire community. And that's a, Thanks, a really Rich. great point. And it's, you know, the work that you do is really saving lives, saving right. the community. Right. I'm curious, you must have some success stories that just sort of, even to this day, pull your your heartstrings. Can you tell us one? Well, because that's really when we talk about donating, people want to know well, what have you done. Show well, us the, a real example. Well, I mean, all the things that I that I mentioned regarding the youth, um, those are the things that I'm 
very proud of. And but the, what I would say as relates to success is because I am stepping down. Um, I believe, you know, when I talked about our mission and the inclusivity and the empowerment, those are some of the things I'm most proud of from the standpoint of this. Um, we, we've done great things. Um, I have been part of it. Um, the thing I'm most proud of is creating a culture and an environment where, whether it be the youth, staff, or whatever, that the talents and the skills uh, create an environment where they could be realized and grown. Um, and so to that end, uh, what I really believe is the greatest accomplishment as I leave PAVE as the executive director and our new executive director, Adam Evans, steps in, Project PAVE will be even better when I'm gone for the next 30 years. That's what I think I'm most proud of. Well, you have a lot to be proud of, and we do have a little bit of time to talk about your, you, and you touched on this, the Rose Andam Center mm -hmm. and the work that that PAVE and, and uh, does, does with that organization. Tell us a little bit about, you know. How we're gonna do that? Yeah, yeah. how's that um, gonna happen? You know, and, and again, because we've been so passionate about the Rose Andam Center and what it's gonna mean to the community, we've been greatly involved, and at the same time, we're very proud of our, our mission and our services. So how do we integrate the two? And, and I think that we've, we've come up with a good plan as we move forward. Um, we won't be changing our programs and services, but those people coming into the Rose Andam Center that have kids in schools, we will be there to help that side of their family with that, as well as with our family advocate position that will be mobile. We will work with the, those people, those families or individuals, those women that come into the Rose Andam Center to, to ensure that we keep working with them um, all the way through their journey. And then as it relates to our prevention work, we are more than willing, and I don't know where we are exactly on this, but you know, to provide prevention type programs and services actually at the center for all those involved that would that you know where it becomes very beneficial uh, for the larger community to be part of that if you think about this violence that we see you know you see it in at the adult level and children as young well much younger than five are exposed to that and they may not actually be abused themselves although many many of them are and when you go to a pave lunch and it's an annual lunch and you hear those kids talk about what they've been through and they're getting scholarships to go to college from PAVE and they are those kids that are gonna be these success stories and they already are because they have been taken out of that situation and realize what it's all about and that's why when you talk to Mike about the Rosandum Center, you've got to understand he's been part of the partnership there for 10 years, long before the center itself became a reality. But that group that we've had together, those teams, those partnerships where PAVE has been one of those standard bearers for what we're trying to accomplish for generations, for that next group of children. You know, that kid that's hiding there in the bathroom listening to what's going on. You know, how are they gonna do on a test the next day? Right. They're up all night listening to their mother be abused. You know, the number one 
thing that causes a young man to commit a homicide in our country is defending their mother in a domestic violence situation. That kind of violence, that kind of relationship violence that people are exposed to gets passed on and passed on and passed on. And Mike's whole role and Project PAVE's part of this is breaking that cycle and stopping that. And hopefully the next generation then will know how to deal with these situations without violence necessarily being involved. Right. Breaking that cycle is so key to saving lives and saving family and saving our community. Mike, so, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Great to see you. Thank you so Keep much. Keep up the great work. Love Thanks. having you. Thanks, Mitch. Thank you to Mike Johnson, Executive Director of Project Pay, for being our special guest today with Denver DA Mitch Morrissey on this edition of Dialogue Denver DA. I'm Tamara Banks. We'll see you next time.